You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Sorry, panicking just a little bit. I left my coffee sitting in this chair. That's not a good thing. That's being without coffee and a potential spill. All right. If you're a guest or visitor with us, welcome. I'm just glad you're here. Um, we we often call this a safe place to hear a dangerous message, which is you can be who you are, and we we just present truth and let the Holy Spirit do what it does to what He does to convict us and reveal truth to us and change us. And we don't pressure; we just present truth and let Him do the rest of the work. And so it's a safe place hear a dangerous message because it can change your life. And so today is about that very thing. I, I, I say that because when you are receptive soil, so to say, because we're going to give the parable, some of you know it, parable of the sower, parable of the, the, the soil. It's it, depending on who you talk to, what preacher, they call it a different kind of different parable, depending on what the focus is. But... Um, when you're receptive soil, the seed can produce great things in you and through you, and so hopefully that's what will happen for you. Everybody wants their life to matter, right? I mean, we all have those moments that we just, even as great of things as we can accomplish in and of ourselves, we, we often sit back and go, is this it? Is there not something more? Is there some greater purpose this serves? Is there more to life than this? I hear that a lot as a pastor. Um, not more to life than this as in God and what he has for you, but everything else the world offers, people often get to that place where they go, is this it? Everybody wants their life to matter. And so today is about how that starts and then really how that continues and what that's about because not just being the soil and how you receive that, but then what you do and turn it around to sow the seeds yourself as God uses you in this world. A life that matters is open to what the creator of all things made you for. And so we'll talk about that. And if you were here last week, you hopefully up front understand more about today's message because you have more context, so to say, and because context really matters. And and in light of everything we've been talking about, then this story today can easily make more sense. That's why it's great to read through a book of the Bible and just as you go along, I'm not just reading this isolated passage. I'm taking it in light of what I just read in the last chapter and what I'm getting ready to read. And, I, and, it, and it makes sense when we look at things in context in light of what we read. And we're going through the book of Mark. We'll be in chapter 4 today. We'll read the, the 1 through 25, those verses today. And so I'll, I've got a kind of a long intro, but then we'll get to those verses in just a moment. And so... I want to say, if you're not a follower of Christ, glad you're here with us and um, exploring faith, not obligated to do anything we talk about here today. That's that's one of those things about the safe place. Um, obviously, we want you to learn something, maybe take a step toward God this morning, so hopefully that'll be you. But see, in, in my world, I see it very, very often. It happens where... Um, Someone hears a great message, not saying that's for me, but even acknowledge how good it may have been and then continues their life 
with no change in regard to what they've now heard and what they know. Um, I remember doing a message one time called Do Something with the Other Messages. I mean, because it's just like, okay, we hear this every Sunday, but if we don't ever do something with it, or you read your Bible every day and you go, well, I've just checked that off my list because I've read my Bible today. Well, what did you read? Well, I don't really remember, but I know I read my Bible, so I'm good, right? It's like it, it's, it's there to change you and to do something in you and for God to work in you. And so to go along with, with no change taking place is something to be concerned about, you know, especially for those who attend often or every week and are good church members, quote unquote, right? Now, something I want to clarify, which is how we, we do emphasize around here the importance of relationships. Yes, build relationship, earn people's trust. We teach that you don't um, want to offend people right off the bat, right up front, and just beat people over the head with a Bible, you know, and and but you you got to gain the right to share with them, earn their trust, build relationships, let them see it in you, and and all that's true, right? But at some point, we have to care more about them than necessarily the friendship that's going to end if we don't share with them and have that hard talk with them about Jesus. And we can't go on forever avoiding, right, what we were placed in their lives to do in the first place. That don't make sense, does it? Right? We can't go on avoiding that, which is to tell them, tell them the truth about God. But we too often want people to like us, right? We don't want them not to like us, so we won't tell them certain things. But Paul, as I talked about last week, he said, I don't want you to be, I don't want to be guilty of not telling you the full counsel of God. So wants people to know even the hard to swallow things about life that God wants to tell us. So there's this point after earning someone's trust, after doing that whole, you know, relationship building thing that you have to get to the, I've told them the full counsel of God, didn't hold anything back. I've told you the whole truth and I'm innocent of your blood so that it, so that you're able to say that. And so there's this point that after building those relationships, we have to say the tough stuff in a loving way. Okay, it always has to be with love. And I want that to be true of our church. So I, I, as I look at you guys every Sunday, I think about what I'm going to preach about. And I look out here every morning, I'm up here thinking about how I want you to get to the end of your life and have been a success in God's eyes. To hear him say, well done to you when you are before him at the end of your life. And we get so worried about these few years here on earth, and I mostly care about what happens after that. And I want you to know that what I care about is that you and I are going to be looking at each other a hundred years from now in the same place. Sometimes it, it, it makes me impatient with people sometimes, okay? And some of you are like, Marty, I've, I've never seen you impatient with anybody. I know I'm very calm, and regardless of what comes at me, I'm usually, the worst thing that happens is I get quiet, okay? When I'm most aggravated is I'm just silent, okay, because um, I don't want to do or say anything that would be wrong, 
even though people are like, why did you say anything? Okay, I get that. But um, it makes me impatient sometimes in my counseling can sometimes seem a little short and unmerciful. Like I'll meet with people a few times and I'm like, okay, I'm going to send you to Christian counseling somewhere else because like this is the extent of where my counseling with you, right? It's just, I often have people talk to me like marriage counseling, like I've done that a lot. And to be honest, I usually just meet with them a couple times and then send them because it's not that I, I don't care that you and your wife aren't getting along. Like, I do care about that. But I really don't. Like, life's too short for that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, life's too short. I'll, you know, a lot of my counseling gets down to, hey, don't don't fight for the next five or ten years, okay? Just don't do that. Like, it's like don't waste your time doing that. Like, quit trying to put your flag in the ground and stake your claim and stand on your rights and that you think you have and, and, and just fight for the next five or ten years and it end up bad. Like, just don't do that. You know, I'm not so much worried about who's right and who's wrong because a lot of times I'll say that up front. I'll just say, hey, look, I'll do marriage counseling with you. I am not a referee. Not a referee, okay? It is not my job to enter this scenario and go, oh, in that argument, you're the winner. You lose, okay? That's that. I'm not doing any of that. Okay. You know, often I'll talk individually, and this this guy will tell me, "Well, she this and she that," and I'm, I'll just go, "Hey, if you want a better wife, be a better husband." Okay, and vice versa. You know, I'm, it's like let's don't play those games, okay? Like you can't change her, she can't change you. We all got to just be willing to change and get better ourselves, and we'll have a better marriage. So I'm not worried about who's right and who's wrong in the marriage so much as I am who's Lord of each person that's in that marriage. That makes sense. So that's why I get a little impatient sometimes, and I'm like, "You got deeper issues than I can deal with, because I can just point you towards Jesus." But maybe the counseling group over here can point you, like, work out all that stuff from your childhood, okay? Because I'm just probably gonna say, "Get over it." But the real issue is most often is that neither of them have really fully submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's like if you did that, you can get past a lot of this, okay? Because if both of you have said and really believe and are serious, I'm going to do whatever Jesus said to do, then you're just, you probably are not going to fight in your marriage. You're not going to have those kind of issues. It's, it's in those moments when you're selfish and not think, thinking about what God wants you to say and what he wants you to do. That's when it kind of gets derailed, right? Your, you, your marriage problems, your financial problems, your relationship problems, your attitude problems are just symptoms of a real problem, which is a spiritual problem of submitting yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's just that's where that's at, okay? So I'm most interested in seeing your life reflect how God, that reflect that you know Him, that there's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And that issue is what gets me excited about doing what I do, is to see those results and see that change and know that God is working through His Word and through the Holy Spirit in you. And so that's that's what gets me excited about church, and that's what we do here in the mission above all and beyond all missions in, in life to make God a priority and share His truth with other people. God has called me and you to something incredible, and it, it's, it's why 
I can deal with the, you know, because it's like every Sunday's coming. Like there's no break to this. Like the pressure's always there, but it's like, you know what? If you look at it properly, it's exciting. It's like people who go, I'm going to go to church again this Sunday. Oh, it's the only day I can get things done, so I don't, I'm not going to go to church today. You've got six other days, okay? And one, it's not up to you to get everything done if you're really relying on God. We, that's a whole other sermon. We're getting all that stuff. But it's like um, we should be in that place where we go, no, we get to do this. This is exciting. Like, I want to be there. I want to go to the to, to this where we learn the Word and then we get together during the week and we get to do these things together and, and I can grow and change. Because if not, if I'm removed from that, Scripture says it just really not going to happen. You're going to get frustrated. Why am I not growing? You're going to digress. It's through the people of God and, and being a part of a local body of believers is where you, you'll actually flourish and what brings about perseverance of the saints and we'll all that stuff again. But it's, it's just there. So it gets, keeps me excited about it. And I say often, you know, we've all sinned. You're a sinner, okay? Like my, my wife loves it when I say that to her. Um, you're a sinner. You have sinned against the one and only true living God who's holy, and he has a right to punish you. And I hope you see, as I do, like I, I, I understand this, I don't deserve anything but punishment from God for how I have acted toward him. And hopefully you see that in your life. Or have at least seen it. And so God sent his son Jesus in the world to take that punishment for me. To pay my penalty for those things I've done wrong. He made It says he made him who knew no sin to become sin on my behalf. So that I could have the righteousness of God. So that I could become the righteousness of God. So I could switch places with him. And I could become a child of God. and Who has a right standing with God that's. So I give my life to him and repent and turn from my life and give it to him. And I get baptized. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you and starts to change you. And you just follow him for the rest of your life. And that's what matters. That's what makes a difference really in this life and the next in eternity. So how much fun you have in this life, how comfortable you are, struggles and troubles you go through, all those things. It's not, it's not that I don't care about all those things. It's just that I care more about the next life than this one. Life is short. It's the flash. You know, you hear every preacher that's ever lived that stood up and that life's a vapor. It's short now, I'm telling you. You can walk out that door and die, right? I mean, everybody's heard that. Like, and, and you hear me say, I, I'm, I get that. Like, some of you are like, man, I've got serious health problems that I don't have. But I could die before you do. It's true. I mean, we just don't know. And so you can play that scare game, right? But here's the deal. More than likely, all of us are going to be alive tomorrow, right? Most likely. So it becomes that issue of, do you not only know where you're going to go when you die, but do you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you that gets you through tomorrow because you're going to live tomorrow in this world that's cursed and broken? Do you have a hope and a light in you that gets you through tomorrow? Because you're probably going to live through tomorrow. It's not a scare you, you know, into eternity. It's being alive today, really alive, not just breathing. 
right? And so it's it's all over with soon, but so I don't, I don't know how, how to get this across. Um, I sit, you know, you sit. I sit in my office. You study. You try to do what you can, and you think, how do I get this across? How do I present this well enough? All those things, and then you, it's a cycle constantly because you come back to, well, I can't get it across, but I'm supposed to try. So how do I do it? Well, I can't, but God calls me to try. I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a it's a losing. It's it's like how do I do this? But I'm just called to preach it. Um, and I told you last week about how we, what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We can become hardened to the Word. The Spirit who reveals truth to us convicts us of sin, enables us to have a choice to follow God. All those things, that you, that's the context that helps you for today in the message. But even if you haven't didn't hear that, you'll be okay. But today, we will hear Jesus say it this way, and he said it many times, and Jesus was the only one to say it. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? Quoting some old stuff, but Jesus was pretty straightforward. Right? So I... I, I you sit around trying to think, how do I get these people committed who haven't yet, who are just kind of dating church or dating God and playing the game for your own benefit to see, is God really worth all this or not? Is this church really worth all this or not? Is it worth giving my life to? Is it worth doing all these things for? Right? But Jesus, I love Francis Chan, which did this example I'm going to do in a minute, and he would also say, you know, I never see where God or where Jesus begged people in scriptures to follow him. Right? He just says, here it is. Either you get it or you don't. I got to go to the next town. See you later. Okay? And that's just kind of how he did things. I mean, rich young ruler would come to him and say, so what do I need to do? Well, get rid of all your stuff and follow me. And he went away sad, you know. Zacchaeus on, the, Zacchaeus, on the other hand, comes down the tree, okay, and gladly goes and gives pays people back four or five times over and does it with joy, okay? Because he got it, you know? Didn't beg either one of them, just said, here it is, make a choice. They made their choice, right? So he gives you, it's your choice. He gives you the opportunity and the ability to understand, but then you have to choose. And when we choose, it's not like, oh gosh, I'm so, you know, there's that conviction and sin and I understand that, but it should turn you to this place of joy of going, Look what he's forgiven me of. Look what he calls me to do. Look what I get to be a part of. Look, And we get excited and we follow him out of joy, not out of sadness and fear. Right? As Matt Chandler would say, it's not fear-based. Um, oh, now I've lost it. Um, it's right there. It's, it's not fear-based. what I get for not putting something in my notes. Um, anyway, it's not obeying him out of fear. It's heart. It's love-based heart transformation. Okay? It's, it, it's, it's out of love that we follow him, not necessarily fear, that may initially get our attention, but we see how much he loves us. Okay? And so, here, it, it, your choice, okay? 
And when Jesus uses that phrase of hearing, okay, when he's talking about he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he, he's, he's talking about this, this quoting Old Testament scripture that refers to people who have just said no enough that their hearts have become hardened and so leaned in the things of this world that they don't even hear the message anymore. They don't hear the message of forgiveness and eternal life. They've been swayed by so many other things so many times, so immersed themselves in other things that they, they just don't hear it. It's just like they don't even hear it anymore. You've probably talked to people that way, like you've ever tried to share with them, and it's just like, you're like, it's as plain as this. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going I'm to go to the ball game. see you later. Like they just don't, like it doesn't even register, right? Some of you hear the message of Jesus Christ at and at first, it may, it may convict you and cause some tension, and you go, yeah, I don't really want that, though, right? And you say that enough times that eventually it doesn't even affect you. It's just static to you, or it starts to annoy you. It can get to that point, right? But others of you hear it and jump at it and are like, man, I get it. That is awesome. I'm in. I'm, I'm with you. Like, teach me more. And Or you heard it your whole life. And, and maybe it said it just never moved you at all your whole life. But suddenly you, you hear it that millionth time and you get it. It's like, why is that, right? You got it and you were amazed at the clarity you suddenly had as, the, as God opened your mind to it. Um, anybody ever notice that about themselves? Any of you ever, like, do you remember, if you're a Christian here today, do you rem- can you think back and go, man, there were so many people that presented that so many times to me, said that I heard the gospel so many times, sat in church, had somebody tell me, I can't count how many times, and then one day it was like that whatever time, I just, all of a sudden, I just got it. Like, anybody have that experience? You can look back and see that, right? For most of us, it's that, it's that way. All of a sudden, you really got it. You're like, why is that, right? Yeah, like you remember back in the day. I've used this before, but you remember this back in the day. There used to be those pictures that were like, I think this was in the '80s. There were those pictures that were like fuzzed out, all those colors. But if you like stared at it, like you were brainless for a while, the picture would actually come out and you could see it. Like throw throw that up there. Like it looks something like that. But if you'd like stare at it. And blur your eyes out. Anybody see anything in that? Anybody see it? Emmanuel's probably the only one that knows what it really is because he picked this one. Yeah, Emmanuel's over there going, it's a fern. Nobody see it? Have you seen these before? Like, you stare at them and all of a sudden this picture comes in. You're like, wow, there it is. Like, all of a sudden you get it, right? Nobody sees it. Okay, take it down before everybody goes crazy. Everybody's getting cross-eyed in here. Some people say that's the way you're supposed to look at it. You've got to go cross-eyed and then all of a sudden you'll see it, right? But you remember when those first came out? You're like, I remember when they first came out, I was like, I just can't see it, man. I just can't see it. All these people would go, look, there's a horse. 
like, there's a shark, or, you know, or whatever it was in the picture, and you're like, no, sorry, right? Couldn't see it, and you thought it was really stupid, and it annoyed you, like, after a while, you're like, man, just put them away, I don't even, and they were in print, like, people would have them on their wall, like, in their office, or dorm room, or whatever it was, thought it was really cool. I never, there for a long time, you didn't see anything, and you're like, this is just a joke, right? Like, it's not real. Like, you're just playing, messing with me, like saying there's a horse in there or whatever. Right? It wasn't real to you, but th- that's exactly how it seems to people. And it seems people are like that with the gospel, because they just can't see it. Like, you're, you're telling them, and you're going, but it's right there, this is it. Like, this is the big deal about life, and God made us, and sin and he died on the cross and man look what he gets you can just your life and eternity and they're just like it's like they're looking at that picture and can't see it and you can't make anybody see it like as hard as you wanted you tried to say this is how you do it you cross your eyes you blow them out like you can't make people see it right and it's just that way with the gospel it's so frustrating at times because times because you want people to get it you want them to see it especially friends family people you love and and you just you can't make them and suddenly somebody does like out of out of a hundred people all of a sudden this person gets it and it's all like i know what you're talking about now it's like okay well i've been i've been telling you for years and now you get it right i've talked to people because believe it or not not everyone who comes here is a fan of mine, okay? I know that's hard for you to grasp, okay? Really. You know, people say they disagree with this thing I teach or that thing I teach, disagree with me and tell me I'm wrong or how mad I make them or they do what one woman did, which is sit in a sermon and openly yell disagreements um, during the service and then they couldn't come back anymore because they were being disrupted. And And some people who, you know, they, they don't like it, but then there are some people who once disliked this place, and then they get it, and then they love it, right? Because somebody dragged them enough times until they finally just got it, right? And they're like, oh, I, see, I understand, okay? Um, and it's that same way of for you, of how many of you heard that message of Jesus Christ over and over and over, and then one day it was like, aha, I get it, right? So that was the intro. Let's talk about Mark chapter 4. Okay? Because that, that's that's the deal, okay, that this is going to talk about. So we're going to read the scripture, do an example real quick, and we'll be done. Okay? Mark 4, let's read 1 through 12. And it says, He began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got in the, into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them, in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he was sowing. Some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, but because it had no depth, because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and, it be, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, that they yielded a crop 
and produce thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may not they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. There again quoting some Old Testament. So some call this the parable of the sower, or they say it's about the person uh, doing evangelism, sowing the seed, right? It's the seed is the word of God. Some call it the parable of the soil because it's about these different people who receive the word. That's what this is given an example of. That's what the parable is about. Um, so it's the, say it's the parable of the, but whatever you call it, it's about God's word and and about him and his word, and it's about evangelism, and that we're just to spread the seed and God does the rest, okay? But yet we have to be careful of what type of soil we are and how we cultivate ourselves and being receptive to what God has for us. But that in part, while seeing they may not perceive or hearing they may not understand, context is important. Remember last week, so in other words, they had said no or ignored the light that they had been given so long, right, that they just couldn't they couldn't see it anymore. They didn't want to see it or chose not to because of their heart condition, so they, they think he's just talking about farming. They're like, that's crazy. Okay, I understand the some seed doesn't hit good soil and the weeds and never seen, like in their context, they say, I've never seen where somebody planted one seed and it came back a hundredfold. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's pretty amazing. I'd like to see that, but, you know, they just think it's about farming. Yet some people saw it because they were receptive. Their eyes are open to see it and they get it. So you go back to this passage, Jesus begins explaining it to the disciples. Okay? And he said to them, verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How you, will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the, the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Right? So he's, he's explaining, I'm not really talking about farming. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about the, the seed is the word of God. I'm talking about the soil of these people who are getting the word of God. But then the birds that came and took it away, that's, that's really Satan blinding the minds of the unbelieving, right? That's about them, him taking that away from them. Or their hearts are just so hardened, like it falls on the concrete or whatever, that it just does not penetrate their hearts because they've been, become so hardened. And so, like some of you earlier, right, the same way as talking about here, like when I said earlier that, You've sinned and done wrong things against God and deserve punishment. You think, like in your mind, that you just go, that's crazy. I haven't done anything that bad, right? I'm not a bad person. I don't deserve punishment. Like, that's just a little harsh. God's loving. He doesn't do that, especially not to me, right? I've lived a good life. Hey, but I'll tell you, there's just one guy I know. He really deserves it, right? Like, our mind goes there automatically, right? We start comparing ourselves to other people. I can tell you who deserves punishment. It's that guy and this guy. Actually, there's this dude down the road that if you, you know, if we're talking about who deserves things, it's not me, it's that guy, right? And you go on and on, and you're, you're thinking you're better than those people, and so you don't need to be saved. You're a good person. 
right? I've heard people say that before. How do you know, how do you know you're going to heaven? How do you know you're a Christian? I'm a good person, right? And we could sit and talk about your anger, your bad attitude, ungratefulness, pride, you know, deception or whatever, and you would think those are all little things and, and think, well, I've done so many good things that it outweighs the bad things on that scale, so I'm okay. It's like, no, it doesn't matter how far the scale tips on your good stuff and your bad stuff. This good stuff will never pay for this. Like that one little bit is enough. And he says, you're like the seed falling on the path and they get trampled or taken away. Satan takes it away or it just never sprouts and grows, right? It, it just never happens. I mean, as much as you would want it to. Oh, gosh. I was younger when I did this before. As much as you'd want it to, you're not going to plant a seed in this and get anything to grow, right? It's just, it's just hard. It's just too hard. It's, there's no way for it to happen. And this is going to be very simplistic this morning, but I hope it's something that will, in your mind, you'll remember, okay? So it's like I stand up here and give a message to some of you, and it's nothing. It's not even registering, right? You're more interested in texting or sleeping or being annoyed or think about what you're doing this afternoon or checking Facebook or whatever it is, latest score or whatever. And it's going right by you. Like you just, you're like, I don't care about, it's just, you might even say, I've heard this before. I've read this before. I've got all the answers to those to that those passages. I understand all of it, right? Or maybe it's just that Satan has so blinded you, you don't understand even though you hear it audibly. Maybe it's not just you don't want to. Maybe it's just you can't. You can't see it. You can't hear it. And Jesus says, I can't change that. It's the soil. It's who you are. You have said no so many times that you're in the darkness. Remember we talked about that last week. You get a little light, you step into the light. You get a little more light, and you get more and more truth. Or if you step away, you might get to the point you can't, you don't even see the light anymore because you're so far away. And no matter how much light has shined your way, you just, you're so much in darkness, you can't see it. As Romans 1 says, perhaps you have been given over to a depraved mind. That's what Romans chapter 1, that, that is amazing. There's a three-step process that just gives you over, gives you over, gives you over. You notice how it says it. It just gives it over, gives you over to what you're wanting and your depraved mind And because he's trying to convince you and you're just like, no, I'm going my way. I'm doing my thing. I'm going to step more into darkness. You've told him no so many times. He's just not going to bother you with the Holy Spirit anymore which is the only way for you to get that forgiveness. The seed is the same. The word of God is the same, but the response is different because of the soil, because of each person. Like when he said in verse 16, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only but it's only temporary. They're only temporary. Then when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. In Luke, because this is in Matthew and Luke, it, it's in, in those versions, in Luke it says, during a time of testing. Remember it talked about in the parable originally to the people, the sun comes, the wind blows, and it's gone, right? So it's like, this kind of, you know, it's, it's like throwing a seed on these rock, and there just happens to be enough dirt in there, right, that like, 
We'll just go this route. There happens to be enough. Some of you are like offended that I just broke that. I know. Um, the plant lovers out there went, <gasps> right? But, but it's like there's enough dirt in these little cracks. The seed falls in there and this little flower just, just springs up. And it's like, okay, that's cool. It, 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 it came up. Man, there you go. God's Word. Man, it did something. Right? A little bit happens. But the, but the problem is there's, no, there's nothing for the roots to really grab hold of in this, in this rock. So the little roots go as far as they can in between and a little bit of dirt that's there. And all of a sudden, something bad happens in life. Right? Something comes along and it just, it's just, it just blows away and just withers and dies. There's nothing, that, there's nothing to hold it. In the, in, and it just, it's gone. Right? No root system to sustain a mature plant. Right? Hard times come. It gets hard, windy, hot, windy. It blows away. Could be you. You, you know, it's it's. I see people do it all times. Yeah, I want that. Yeah, I want that. I want. I understand what you're saying, and I so want to follow Jesus, and I get that, and I get. They get baptized, and they're like all excited, and all these, and it's like they're on fire, and then they come around for a while, and then some tough time comes along, and it just blows them away, and they're gone. And you don't see them anymore. Get a bad grade, you know, kids. Parents don't let you do what you want. Boyfriend breaks up with you. Maybe you're an adult and start going through divorce. Lose your job, lose a kid, bury a loved one. Time of testing happens and you just fall away. Some person comes along and tempts you and you're kind of forced to choose between this person and Jesus. And it's a test and you just, you just go with the person instead of Jesus. Or, you, or a hard time comes along and you get angry at God for letting that happen to you. And you just fall away. You're, you're the kind of person that all it takes is being alone, feeling lonely, some test or trial, frustration, disappointment, and you'll ditch God really fast. And that, that maybe that's happened with you before. You've seen people do it. They they can be in a service and they get and it's like, oh, I get it, and they cry and they shout hallelujah. They come down front. They get baptized. They join the church. Man, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming experience but the moment something happens you're done with him can't believe God would let that happen to me can't believe God would do that to me you believe to a point until you don't want to anymore then you say forget it I just don't think God is really that good it was just self-serving in the first place is what that is you never really got it. You never took root. Okay? You see it a lot in the church. Somebody's so excited, ready to go. They just haven't been tested yet. 
And yet times you see the rare person who gives their life to Christ goes through the most awful circumstances and yet nothing changes between them and God. If anything, they get closer to Him, grow even more through all of that. But that just means it wasn't rocky soil. It wasn't the kind of person we're talking about here. Okay? Hopefully that's not you. Then there's this other soil. Okay, verse 18, he explains it. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Right? And, and so you get this, better plant there's maybe a, a little it, it's not not just on these cracks maybe it's there's a little more soil in here to where you know this guy comes along and, and, and he starts growing and he, he just seems like he's doing pretty good right these things but in that same dirt there's some other seeds there's weeds and thorns and Stuff that's just, it grows up with the plant. And it ends up choking it out. And these weeds represent like distractions and stuff of the world. So while we desire the word, the seed, we also, our heart is is torn between the world and the seed. It's, it's, it's a lot of what you see in American Christianity in our church today. It gets rooted in the soil, which has the nutrients and all that in it as well, but it's like the nutrients are being given to, like the soil it's giving itself to, not just the Word, but also to other, the, the, all these other things in the world. And so these things start taking all the nutrients, the sunlight, and it chokes out the flower. And so there are some people into the, just into the things of the world, and that's what happens. So, you, it, so they... So you, you love the word and what's happening, but you know, um, I left my gum in there, sorry. So you, uh, so it's, man, I got, I got to, I'm just, I got to work all the time and about earning money in my life. You know, I'm really, I get the word and I love going to church, but man, I got to get what I can get and all I can get. So I got, I got to get money. And so I just, that's part of the deal too. And then. And I've got these relationships, you know. There's this girl, right? And she kind of looks like Nikki. But she doesn't dress as good. Um, and so there's her, or there's this guy. And man, I just, I give myself more to him than I do to God, and I'm just really torn. And, and so he's got hair like Elvis, and he's really cute. So there's him. And then, you know, I got this car, but I want another car. I like my car. I work on my car. I've got hobbies like golf, right? I like to go hunting. Um, there's a golf towel, right? I've got my, these are my run, I wear those to go running, so I like to go running. I've got a job. Maybe I'm a police officer or whatever I do. Um, man, the movies, all my hobbies, all the little things. It's a video game, man. I like to play video games. It just that gets in there, right? You see what happens, right? And I, I know it's very simplistic, 
but hopefully you'll remember this because this this is this is this is the American dream right here. This is American Christianity at its finest. Hey, but it's it's in there. Did you see that poking out over there? There's there's church and the word and there's there's the Christian life poking out over there, right? It gets a little bit of sunlight over there. When I don't have all this other stuff to take care of. But eventually all that other stuff just overtakes what really is the most important thing supposed to be in your life. The things of life come along and you got to spend so much time, so much worry, so much money, so all this effort, energy, focus just goes into all these other things. And some of it, it's not that inherently any of this is even bad. Right? There's, there's nothing inherently evil about it. Like I would even say, it's good to have a hobby. It's good to have those kind of stress relief kind of things. It's not bad to have a nice car. It's not bad to play golf. Okay? It's not bad to go hunting, thankfully. Right? I, I enjoy those things. Okay? I, I do. But, when, but it can if it takes root in our lives to where we don't live open-handed, to where if that goes away, if it's gone, it's okay. If we're holding on tight to those things as tightly as we're holding on to the Word, trying to let them, this stuff's going to overtake us. you got to live open-handed with this stuff. you got to hold on to the Word. you got to hold on to God. And that's... And if this stuff doesn't get time, doesn't get effort, doesn't get energy, it's okay. Because this is what I'm holding on to over here. Right? You you're, Don't hold on to stuff and, and what the Word says too because it'll just choke it out. It's why some of you, you, you probably, you can see it. You've got the same belief in God and all that, and, and you're still at the same maturity level spiritually that you were five years ago, ten years ago, two years ago, last year, whatever it is, right? You never grow because there's, there's not enough going into that part of the relationship with God and the Word. You won't let go of these other things. Of course, you need money to live. you got to have it. I'm not like everybody's going to go, Marty, Said Sunday we could just quit our jobs, like and not even have to have a car, right? Whatever. But of course you need money and get a car to work to get to work. But what kind of car do you have to have, right? Do we always have to take the promotion and and move on to the next thing, or do we say, God, do you want me to take that promotion? Do you want me to change jobs? God, where do you want me to go to college? Like most people pick college based on a career. I would love to see one person go from high school to college and then go, I prayed about it and God wants me to go to this college as a missionary. And I'm going to get connected to the local Baptist Student Union or the, the local Christian organization there to try to help them reach that campus for Christ because that's where God's calling me. Because I can get a bachelor in business administration in any college. I can get a this degree or that degree or whatever degree wherever I go. But God's calling me there because that's where he wants me to go. That's different. I'm going to take this job because that's where God wants me to go, not because it's just more money. Like, we think it's inherently the right thing to do. Anytime you're offered more money or a better position, you just take it. And then and what happens is this. 
we end up for no time for the things that are important because we just think we're supposed to do this. Maybe it's a prayerful thing. Maybe you are supposed to do it. Maybe you're not. How far do you take it? How much is enough? Should we be constantly trying to increase our level of living or living more sacrificial lives and using more to do more for the kingdom and be missionaries where we are? It's just a different thought process. It's a war trying to live the American dream and be a Christian. It's killing Christians. In fact, later Jesus says this, if anyone should come after me, he must, what, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So there's sacrifices we're going to have to make to follow him. Right? Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And another, later on he says, the same, in the same way any of you who does not give up, so renounce, relinquish, let go of, when, when you gave your life to him, that included your checkbook, all that stuff, Whoever does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's tough. Like, go meditate on that for a while. That, that's, that's what this is talking about. You, you, can't do all, you can't just give yourself to all this and think you're going to have that. I know you've got to have a job, but are you choosing it for the kingdom or because it's what you want to do? Like, I've seen people in the past that, there's been people in this church that own businesses, and they're like, I, my business is not just for me. They would not only tithe on, on, for themselves, they'd tithe out of the business. And it's like, that's, that's, I mean, because they're going, it's not about me, it's not about, it's just amazing stuff, and, and people who get that. And I, I, I know you, you, you have to have clothes. Some people don't wear enough clothes. But really what, what do you have to have, right? What is it that you have to have? And it's constantly, I want this, I want this. And I understand, I get in those modes too. There's times I'm like, well, I'd just like to have another new one of those, right? Like, and for me, it's, it's not a pride thing. It's not a look how spiritual I am. It's like, it's one of the main reasons I hold on to my one Toyota Tacoma just because I want to put a marker in the ground that says, you know what, I, I don't have to have. Right? I love that little truck, but it's like, don't have to have. If I need a good truck, I'll go borrow it from somebody. Right? It's constantly... I want this, I want this, I want this, and we will go the extra mile to get what we want in all these categories, but we won't go the extra mile to do what God wants us to do, to be a part of the church, not doing it for God, not doing it for the church, but I'm going to do it for all this other stuff. Like You see it all the time, all the time. Jesus would go so far as to say, even your own family, your kids, mom, dad, brother, sisters, if you don't hate them, you can't be my disciple, right? What does that mean? If you, are you are you valuing do more, doing more there than maybe you should be? You've got your kids on a pedestal, so to say, right? And I just think it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people that are sitting in the U.S. right now. They want Jesus, but they want everything else too. And you're you're 
You aren't going to let go of those things because you need to. You will spend time defending yourself about those things. I've like I've watched that over and over and over. People defending to the point of God is okay with me having these things to have this. God is okay with me spending time doing that. God is okay with me going here doing this. God is okay with me having this career. And you're always defending yourself, and you're never going to let go of it. Not saying God's against stuff or whatever. It's just that you love it so much. You can't let go so you can't grow. You, you understand? Nothing wrong with having it. Like some people that you just don't even choose. You Like you're like, I never necessarily chose this path that got me to where I am. God's opportunity and he got me there and he blessed me. So, but what are you leveraging it for and what are you doing? What, what are you investing? In now or for eternity? And I hope some of you are like this because we got to close, right? There are those, he says in verse 20, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. He's saying then there's some seed that hits the good soil and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Right? And it's it's like it's like one little seed falls in the dirt right there. And then as my five year old little girl back there, Amber, says, Bam, what? Okay? It's like that seed falls in there and like one seed produces like all this stuff. Like it just it just like amazing a hundred times over, like no farmer has ever just put one seed in the ground and got a hundred times what that seed could ever produce, right? One seed. And it's the kind of person who hears the truth. It gets multiplied back. They hear a message and they go out and do something about it. They, they hear it and they say, I got to do that. I got to change. Man, God's calling me to something great. I get to do that. And then they go do it. And it's right after this, he says in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care of what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you and more will be given you besides. But whoever has, to him shall be, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. It's that whole light and darkness thing, right? He says, be careful how you listen. Don't just come to church and go, oh, yeah, I get it, I get it, amen. Good, good one, Marty. That thing with the flowers, that was real cute. I'll remember that. Good job. And go live your life the same way, right? The good soil is the one who takes it all in and puts into action the word they heard and they start to grow, right? You see the results in their life. They're not... It's not the one concern with everything else and gets buried. It's not the person who accepts it, but then once temptation or trials or troubles come and they get blown away, they bail out. It's the soil or the person who soaks it in, nurtures what they've heard and begins to live it out because they invest in that part of their life. So be careful how you hear. If you listen well and obey it, God will give you more knowledge. That's how it multiplies. And then he'll give you more. And then he'll give you more if you do something with what he gives you. So be careful how you hear if you listen well. If not, it'll be taken away. Very strong statement. 
Some of you won't ever hear. There's people that will come and go here. They won't ever hear a thing I say. They won't ever get any of these scriptures that are spoken. Others will get knocked out the first test that comes along. Others, they're too concerned about the worries of life, the pursuit of riches, comfort, pleasure. They just won't grow. But there are a few who will get it, they'll understand it, and they'll put it to use. And something will happen with that that will make eternal differences. We will see the fruit in your life. Not just as a hearer, but a doer. And you begin to sow seed yourself. You begin to be that person that says, man, I, I, this God has produced this fruit in my life. Here's this seed. So I'm going to go plant it in other soil. I'm, just, I'm walking along the path and I'm just planting it. Whatever soil that is, God will take care of that part. But I'm, I'm to evangelize. I'm to plant those seeds. And so now hopefully you understand people's reactions when you get them from them because you understand these different types of soils and you can go, I planted the seed, but I don't get personally offended because that's just where they are. You're just responsible to sow the seed. It's our role and it's important. It's the greatest purpose you can ever be given. To be Christ's ambassador here on this earth. The purpose of being used as a mouthpiece that someone might get changed eternally. It's just the greatest thing ever. No greater purpose than introducing people to the God who made them. But if no seeds are sown, how are they going to have a chance? So do you hear it or don't you? Do you get it or don't you? So two, two responses this morning we're done, right? Salvation. Seed gets planted. Do you get that about God dying, sending Jesus to die on the cross in your place for your sins? Do you get that and you go, I need to turn to him for salvation and you repent of my sin and turn to him? And you just do that this morning. And the other side of that is, is are, where are you at? Are you thinking you're okay? You just have you see where you've fallen away because of tests, trials, bad things happen. My boyfriend broke up with me. My girlfriend broke up with me. That guy left me. I lost my job, sickness. I lost a loved one and just fall away. And now you come back around and you're like, okay, we'll try it again. You just need to make sure where you're at. And you got to go, man, I just need to move to this. This is the kind of soil I need to be. Are, are you too much into all this stuff, right? And so that's just choking out your spiritual life. And the hope is you'll get here. We'll get, we'll get just all kinds of amazing things and fruit comes out of your life that God produces because of your receptiveness to the Word and just doing it. You just you hear things from the Word and you just go, you know what, may not like it. Right now I'm just going, God, you're convicting me of that. I don't really like it, but you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. Right? And you just, you just follow Him. But then your heart gets joyful in following Him because you start to see, man, when I do follow Him, amazing things happen. It always works out. may not be how I want it, but it does work out, right? So let's pray this morning. Father, I, just, I thank You for Your Word, how that Word can change us. I think about the time when Jesus prayed for all of us That, that we would be united in our purpose, that we would 
just be doers, that we would, we would just be together, united in purpose. I think about the time that he prayed for his disciples that he said, just, just pray that God would open their minds to the Word. So God, would we just begin to pray for one another as we see where we are ourselves and just lean into You for Your truth and Your Word and just say, God, just, I want to follow You. I don't want to be knocked out by the trials of this world. God, I don't want to be consumed with this world. I just want to obey. I want to hear Your Word and understand it and do what You tell me to do. Father, thank You for the fact that our eyes can even be open. If not for Your Son, Jesus, we would not have a chance. So we thank You for Him dying on the cross in our place for our sin, that we could talk to you right now, we could hear your word, we could have the Holy Spirit and understand it, and you just do a work in us that just is overwhelming in this community, that pushes back darkness, that shines a light out of us, that as your word says, as it goes on to Mark to talk about of not hiding that light, it's just it's a light that illuminates and, and is, it just spreads. May we see that happen here in this church because it's multiplied in the lives of our people. So thank you, Father. You just do what you do. You do what only you can do through your spirit in the, in the people here this morning, those listening online. Father, would you just do in them what only you can do through your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.